Hemshechayim Beis, Volume One, Discourse Twenty Eight, We're Chapter One Twelve, Page Two Sixteen. So the Rebbe Rashab explained how um, basically the Meir Eir, the beginning of Chapter One O Nine, that says that the Matzeva which means the monument or the pillar that Jacob constructed. So the language of the Meir is Matseva HaKomus Malchus Mepchines Nekuda Laseise Patsuf. Is that lifting or the raising of Malchus from a state of a Nekuda, just a point, to turn it into a Patsuf, which is a full configured structure. And that one line is what has been explained now in the last three chapters, what that means. So in chapter 109, he explained basically that that is the, the different understanding of what the Nukud of Malchus is, that is Kesar Malchus, before Malchus begins to really blossom into a full-bodied function, full-functioning body, rather. And in order to make a blossom, you need to have a power that comes from a higher place. And it's Yaakov that has that power because he comes from Primius Kesser, because he's the Kav. He's the Kav, I'm sorry, rather, the middle, the middle, the, the, um, the Briach HaTichin, the center bar that goes from one end to the other end. Tiferis. Yaakov is, from the word, like he said, Yeboka. Pierce, he pierces the passage, he's able to take all the way from that deeper place and bring it into Malchus, in, even though it's in its complete state of diminishment, the Kuda, and turn it into a Matseva. That's the essential point there. We discussed many of the different levels there, it was very Kabbalistic and, and technical, but that was basically the, the, the concept, the idea. Um, with the different sources from Yerazayas and stuff like that. In Aveda, in Aveda, meaning in our service, in our personal service, in chapter 110 and chapter 111, the Rashab explained, first he explained it, that it means it's referring to Malchus, is not, is referring now, we're talking about Malchus, not as it's Natsilis, but as he said at the end of chapter 109, how Malchus descends into Biyah, which really means how Malchus is concealed. It's a divine force, and it's carrying the force of creation in existence, but it's concealed in Briyatsir Because in Atsilas, like the the containers of Atsilas, as we've been learning, they're revealers. Even Malchus is a revealer. It's the lowest level of Atsilas, but in Atsilas it's still in the level of container. It's through the pass of the garment that cloaks the curtain, that cloaks the flow. So now as Malchus descends into Biyah, the Nekudah of Malchus is now Mistateris, it's concealed. There are two levels in it. There's how Malchus becomes the Keser, as you said, but it's still concealed. And then there's Malchus, how it spreads out. So Malchus is really the representative, now the Nekudah, the point we're talking is representative of essentially the divine force as it manifests in creation. Which of course includes also the souls. Because Knesset Yisrael, Malchus is also Knesset Yisrael, so it's the souls as they manifest in creation. So the souls are not Silas as they're rooted there, are connected, are united, as we learned earlier. But as they come down into through the garments, 
because even the containers of Briyatsirasi, we also learned they're holy, but the garments is where there's the garbling, there's the disorganization of the words, because you're already explaining it in foreign context and in a disorganized context in order to explain it to a far a lower student. That's where the trouble begins. Trouble begins, meaning the concealment. So what is the concealment in Aveda? Concealment is, the first level in Aveda is where, the first explanation is where um, there's no impact at all. The Yetzirah, the animal soul, is complete full force. However, due to the Nakuda, the spark, there's a Namuna, there's a powerful faith that overpowers the Yetzirah. Not that in any way it impact that you shouldn't that we shouldn't want the crass and coarse stuff in the material world. But the Also he says this is like mitzvahs that we do without any intention or feelings, or deeper uh, desire or feelings, just action. That's in Aveda the level of Knesset Yisrael, the Nakuda, as it's concealed in Biyah. So it's not completely, obviously, concealed in the sense we do have that faith, because he's talking about Aveda, there's something work, but it's a very immature and a very beginning of Aveda. Basically, this is katnus, as he calls it. It's Malchus in a state of katnus. If Malchus is really completely concealed, like Lovin wants, then there's nothing. Then there's no moon impacting us at all, which is obviously also a situation. He's talking here that there's at least some type of uh, effect, there's some type of... Uh, that's one. Then he goes... And then when a person matures and begins to appreciate what it means to be connected, they're not just doing it like a child, by you know purely based on uh, on, on faith or based on blind faith or action alone. That's the development and maturity of Malchus. Then the second explanation, he goes on, he said, You know, initially I thought it was different explanations. I think there's some overlap. Because Gam Yeshlemer doesn't always mean Be'efanach, it doesn't mean a second explanation. It could be Gam Yeshlemer, you know, more can be said about this. And when he says the Gam Yeshlemer in chapter 110 is that we're talking now about That means we're talking the overall fact that godliness is not obvious in the material world. As we see. That even though soul comes down to this earth, the divine soul, and has a purpose, but it's concealed and trapped in the darkness of the Nefesh Abamis. I was thinking how this is a, what, 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 why is it a Gam Yeshleim? Isn't it seemingly the same for the first level? But I think first of all it's broader. He's not just talking about a particular level of, of a beginning of Aveda where a person's katnus is immaturely beginning the journey. And secondly, he's talking a lot more about how here is not that, that that the divine soul is concealed in the animal soul. So we're talking much more of a um, fuller blown relationship here. Anyway, the bottom line is it's concealed. As a result, as you said, this is how Esther, this is how the soul is in a state of Esther concealment, as opposed to Rachel, which would be how it's revealed. So when it's revealed, what you have is a certain bitl and Kabbalah say, like it's saying, like Rachel, Nelama. There's a certain silence, a certain uh, subjugation, natural, to things that are divine. But the problem is when it gets trapped in Esther, which is like Shishana, which is like a rose among thorns, here this desire, this natural desire of the soul to elevate is now in a prison, so to speak. 
Actually, he doesn't use that word in this chapter, sorry. And this in simple terms means that when a person is going to work, for example, instead of focusing on the purpose, the real purpose, L'Shem Shemaim, that the reason you're working is for a different, higher purpose, they focus on the work and they're completely immersed in it. So here you have, what you have here is that it's that this is the concealment, and yet there's still a Nakud at work, there's still something there. What's the Nakud is that ultimately God, through Yad of Muruch Mamoram, that there's a power from above that awakens the Ratzin that is concealed and trapped within the animal soul. Okay. Basically, it's the, as he says, the Nakud of Primis Halev, the Kriyach Tzenius Halev, these different levels. That's what he finished in chapter 110. In chapter 111, which we learned last, he says, And here he goes into really explaining Malchus as in a fallen state. So again, I don't know if it's a different interpretation, because there's really not many parallels. However, the word Hakoma and Nefila, and Hakomas Malchus, that word from Meir that I mentioned, is far more... Um, Addressed in this chapter 111. So what does he say? What's Nefilas HaMalchus? That's the tipple of Raglov. That Esther, Zman HaGolos, time of exile, were not standing upright, face to face and experiencing the divine. We have, we're, we're subjugated. A simple level. We're subjugated to Akata Avda Adach We're still servants. We're still under Shibad Malchus. So there's still an element of subjugation to the to the opposite, where we literally the Esther has to fall on her, fall on her, fall on his, by his legs, which means that she's in a state of fallen state. What is that naveda? That's how Malchus is in a fallen state during exile. So to explain this, you have to by contrast. Bizman bias. There was the Gilulim time of the temple. There was all the revelations. So then it was in a state of hakoma. And he explained it in detail. That Alakus was revealed, and it was in the form of ponim beponim. Explain what that means. That the inner faculties are revealed, and there's a connection to the, you know, the face. The outer face reflects what's going on in the inside. And, uh, and both in Riyah and Shmiya, both a type of uh, resonance. That Ruchnius in general was the most, was, was natural, and the material was secondary. And also Shmiya, a comprehension that was completely uh, permeated. And affected them, and now that you had to go work on and overpower the uh, the emotions, the heart, the heart went along. In contrast, that's a state of hakomis malchus. That's when malchus is in a, in a, in a, in a uplifted state, and the philis malchus sukkas david nefelas is when malchus is not in that state, where materialism is natural and spirituality is the novelty, is novel, where spirituality becomes sec- secondary. And, and even and we're immersed in this material world, and even when we have revelation, it comes with a strong effort and exertion. It takes a lot of work of contemplating, thinking it through. And even then, it also dissipates after davening and so on, and uh, moves on. <clears throat> this is a state of nefila. So the soul on its own is in a state where it, it's, it's like a flame. It's a flame that is reaching upward and constantly connected to its source. But when it comes in this world, it's trapped. It's trapped like in a prison, hostage, and in a state of a fallen state. Yet, we say every morning, Hashem is He frees the prisoners, the imprisoned, and supports and lifts up the fallen ones. 
This refers to the neshama as it's trapped in the body. So when you wake up in the morning, this is the first thing we say. One of the first birchus hashachar is we say that God's not just talking about physical prisoners and physical fall. He's talking about in general all neshamas in this world are in that state. Now, mitzvahs help awaken that because mitzvahs are connected to the, the divine the divine desires, so awakens the desire within us. However, by high, in higher souls, in Shomaz Gavayas, that's where the, it's more apparent. In the souls, most of us, which is the souls of Akvayim, that come from the lower levels, which means come from the souls. Akiv is a soul or a heel? What's a soul in Hebrew? S-O-L-E. Same thing? Yeah. Akiv is, is usually a heel. We usually say the soul of the shoes. We don't say soul on the feet. No, it's not true. The soul's of feet and the heels of the feet. The heel is the back. The heel, right. No, but the bottom of the foot is the soul. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no. No, it's not correct. The soul of a foot is the soul is the the bottom of the leg, bottom of the foot, and the heel is the the back, the back. Yeah. Akiv probably means the whole thing. Probably, I don't think there's a word for soul. It's the whole bottom of the foot. Akiv shabaregel. He's not. It's not correct. The soul is is is, a, is is the body itself. It's a part of the body. The sole of a foot has nothing to do with shoes. Shoes is another thing. You also have soles on shoes, and you have and you have heels on shoes too. It's not correct. It is used. I, I looked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They say the. What, what do you call this part of the foot? What do you call the bottom of the foot? Planter or sole. That's another name. What? I'm just saying. Anyway. Dosh be kovav, yeah. Not necessarily. It could be the heel. In Chumash, when it says about the nochash, is the heel. You know, you crush the snake with the heel. It may be okay. We could look it up. It's I mean. Anyway. Okay, so does that does that mean the heel or the soul or the whole thing? Um, anyway, the bottom line is that lower souls, they, 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 it's tshuva. Because tshuva is what um, creates that awakening. S-O-L-E. Okay, they don't have it. Because tshuva is an awakening of a serious rachm mal nefesh. Down at the bottom or on the surface of the foot, and then number two is the corresponding under part of the shoe, boot, or the light, or this part exclusive of the heel. Not every, so you're right. When I'm not sure, I say I'm not sure. This I know. I, I, I'm just telling you. Not, that I'm not insulted. I'm just saying to you that I, I looked it up. I'm familiar with this. <clears throat> Questions: What's the translation of S O L E in Hebrew? That's what you have to look up next. That, that's his department. Okay. <laughs> A different research department. Okay, bottom line is like Kimam in Philoso to 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 uh, lift it up from its fallen state. And they say this the awakening for Truva, that's the Nakuja. That's the point that he's referring to. Okay, so we have an Aveda basically the whole story. And obviously all this is connected. In a very in a very direct way to the whole discussion of the spheres and the whole connection of gvul and bligvul and existence and the divine, 
Because we're talking here how godliness is concealed in existence. And how existence comes back to discover God, basically. So it's, it's essentially the same theme. But here, it's through the garments and the concealments, you're climbing your way back. And Yaakov's Aved of turning the oven to Matzev, which we're going to learn now, is that process that counters Lavan's interest is to more concealment. And Yaakov is interested in creating and connecting to Evan, to Evan Sapir, all the way to Evan Sapir. So on a lower level, this is all happening in Malchus, but on a lower level, this is a microcosm of the whole Ishtal Shlusawat, how the containers, which contain and limit the flow, become transparent, illuminating channels, first uh, a number, then narrative story, Misper, Sipur, and then Sapir, which reveals... So it's a process of revealing in a concealed state. But obviously the details are significant. So I went back to look back in chapter Ayin um, Dalet. I actually wrote here a whole thing on this. Pedek Ayin Dalet. Where he talks the same idea when he spoke, remember, in the, he was talking about it in Era Makif. He was talking about the five levels. Baruch Sha'amar, Bahoya Elam, Baruch etc. And then he spoke in the levels also. So there too, he talks a lot about, in that chapter, 80, 85, 80, I'm sorry, 74, sorry. Yeah, right. So in Dalad, he talks about how it also, the power that Malchus is Yeredes, and, and that, and, and, um, and affects Tshuva, and the awakening of Rachamim Rabim and Tshuva, that that's the level of Tshuva's Gevenu. But there, it's more the makifim. So I was just thinking, because here we're talking more the pnimim. You're talking here more is pnimim, which is sviris, that led you, lead you there. So just interesting parallel, just in case you you look at that. Basically, chapter is, um, as I said, 874, and also chapter 77 and 78, because he speaks all the makifim, the effects of keser of atzilus and keser of bria, keser It's all about awakening the malchus within each level. Yeah, but on the other hand, Yaakov brings it down. We're going to learn soon, and we learned already. Yaakov doesn't just bring it down from the source of Gvul, he brings it down from the source of Bligvul. So really, the power to awaken a soul in, in its fallen state is not just from the Sphiris, from the, from the Eris HaGvulim. It has to come from the Primis HaKesar. Yeah, that's the soul talk. So now we chapter 112. Is Suliyah, What is that? That's the whole... In Hebrew? In Hebrew? Yeah. But that's a modern word. That's not from the... That's modern Ivrit. I'm talking about Lushen Kedish. No, that's what I'm saying. It could be Akiv is the whole bottom. Did you have it in Tehra somewhere? Maybe, maybe. Okay, I, I don't remember. It's very easy to find. You just got to. You have to find the translation of S O L E in Hebrew. There's a translation. And what? Is, oh, you did? Yeah, but look if it's a Loshna Tera or What's Kafaregel? I don't even know what Kafaregel. Uh, what's Kafaregel? Who said? Maybe Kafaregel is the is the leg. It's another word over here. I'm saying. Oh, for this, for soul. Okay, fine, fine. It's not that important. I'm just... Uh, he says the word Akiv. So when I translate Akiv, I want to know what I say. Akiv, heal. Or, usually we say heal. Akiv is usually heal. That's the postures. That's for sure. The question is if it also includes. Maybe it doesn't. 
Look up Akev. What Akev is in English? See if Hebrew, the translation of Akev in English. Akev includes Saul. Anyway, I'm just looking for the precise words. Okay, but that's not the Gain Achdus Hashem. You understand the difference in translation? <laughs> no, because we're talking more in this than than in the. the, the, the I just want to. Can we get back to? Okay. Okay, if you can find that, let's first figure out what is obvious. Page Reish Tazayin two sixteen, chapter one twelve. Okay. Om nom Yaakov hikim chinas amalchus. Om nom. So we just explained that there's the, the fallen state of malchus and there's the awakening of the rachmim rabim, the abundant compassion. To lift it up from the philosophy. And this is saved as comes from the Nukud of Malchus as it comes down in Biyah. Now the question is, what's Yaakov's role in this? Because all this was about to explain how Yaakov takes a stone from Biyah, basically, the Yalchus in Biyah, and turns it into Matseva. So he lifts it up. So the, the question is, is that Yaakov? He's not asking a question, I'm just posing it in the context. So let's see. Om nom. Yeah, Pedig Memhei, the whole thing with Bativa. Yeah, but also when he when he with Rachel, that he wakes Rachel Rabban Rachel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But well, he's going to discuss this directly. Maybe he'll bring it. Omnom, Omnom. Usually, is a qualification. Omnom means like however. But here it could be just however. We're talking about the fallen state of Malchus. Now we're talking about Omnom. However, Yaakov, he came Malchus. Lifts up the state of Malchus, the level of Malchus. Remember, it's all diuk is in the precise in the language of the Me'er the beginning of chapter one hundred nine. So all this is still explaining that that line. So Yaakov lifts up Malchus and turns it into a Patsuf. As I explained, the Patsuf is well, Patsuf literally means a face, but what's really the definition of a Patsuf? A face is a multi-configured entity. When you say an eye or an ear, or cheeks, or a nose, that's a piece. That, you say, is a component. When you take several components and turn them into a, a new entity, that they're coordinated, not separate pieces, like a, like a tapestry type of thing. With a, a, yeah, that, 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 that's, that's the real meaning of Patsuf. So when you say the face of something, you're talking about, in that sense, you're talking about a multi-configured entity. So in the Kuda, in, in Kabbalah, this, it's yeah, yeah, but sometimes Pekarot can also mean the entire surface of the earth. Yeah, but sometimes it means surface, like on the surface it looks, you know. But uh, yeah, yeah, I understand, yeah. So, so in that sense, Patsuf, this is usually the expression of Nekuda, Sfida, Patsuf. It begins everything with a point. A Sfida is already like a, you know, a point is more than just a nose. A Sfida would be the full entity. And a patsuf is when there's a lot of spheres together and they create a, a full configured. Like Chabad is a patsuf. Choch Mabina is a patsuf. Zah is a patsuf. Chesed through Yisod. You don't say Chesed itself is a patsuf. In Chesed, yeah, you could, in more detail you could say that Gvurusha Bechesed, that Tferusha, you know, it's like that. But generally speaking, there are, like, patsuf is a, is a collection of items that become one. So here, Matsev is the same thing. You take one stone and you turn it into a pillar. You're taking a point, meaning one entity, and you're turning it into something that's more significant than just a single force. 
you're turning it into something. Even if it wasn't more than, even if it's one stone in this case. So what Yaakov did, Yaakov does, it looks like is even more than what we learned till now. That means Malchus, how it's higher than manifesting in the world. So Malchus is the Nekudah that comes down, the soul that's concealed and trapped, like in prison. And the fallen state is the Nekudah. Yaakov takes it and lifts it, he make, or lifts it, he, he lifts it to a place that's higher than Islapsus Be'elamus. So it means he's lifting the soul to a place of its source. Remember before we said Makar Chetzvah. The source of where it was, where it was, um, what do you call it, the hoon, before it was hoon off the stone from from the mountain. Because now, what manifests in the world is only a reflection. To use the language of the souls before, when a soul comes down to a body and to this material world, it's a, a reflection manifest. The etzim of the soul is really beyond manifesting in this world. It's connected to the soul, like we say, Chidosh nefesh or Etzema Nefesh. He's not using Nefesh here, I'm just using it as an example. But the core of Malchus is higher than being enclosed. See, the word Mislabish is also Levushim. And relative to Biyah, to Briyat Sirasiyah, this Malchus is called Sevev. Meaning the root of Malchus. Sevev, meaning transcendent, above, surrounding. It's not internal. Because your name is exalted, your name is Nizgav, is lifted, is exalted. It doesn't say Nizgav Shmoy that you, God, are. It says your name. The name itself is Nizgav. And. Above and beyond now elements from the world. And only the Heid, a uh, reflection, a Ziv, two different words for reflection, Heid. Heid sometimes is beauty, but Heid is, but it basically it means a, uh, a glow, an afterglow or a, a, a reflection, is Allah But Shmei is Nizgav, is beyond, and Shmei is Malchus. Okay, he brings the Pasuk. Elekim Chaim Umelech Elam. This is what it means when we say Elekim Chaim, the living God. Umelech Elam, the king of the universe. Pirish. What are these two meanings? What are these two? Elekim Chaim Umelech Elam. Mashu Elekim Chaim. Pirish is what? He's a living God. Shanim Shech Memenu Chayes. Lichyes. Lichyes. Mislavish. Bechol Nivra. Beprimir. Seymamish. When we say he's Elekim Chaim, what it means is not that he's a living God. It means that he's a God that gives life. That from him transmits energy life to manifest in every creature internally. So it's like literally in, internalizing, injecting energy in, internally into each creature. That's why it says the name Elikim here. Elikim Lashon Rabim. By Hawaii, you don't say there's no Lashon Elikim, we say Lashon Elikim is also Gematria Hateva. It's because how God, the divine, divine energy manifests in existence. Lashon Rabim. How could you call many gods? Elikim means many. Elika is one. Elikim literally means gods. So it's not gods. It means the godly energy that is manifest in all the details. So therefore you call it Elikim, many forces, so to speak. Elikim is Bala Kechaz 
many forces, many powers. It's named as this way on the Ribi Chais, on the on the Ribis Chalkas, on the, the, the multitude of distinctions of energy in each uh, creature as it's known. So that's how he teaches. Meaning how God manifests, how the divine manifests, the divine energy in existence, it's only in a form of Melech Elam. That's what it says. That is only Melech so in other words, it's how Melech is Elam. Not Melech as he is on his own, but how he is the king of the universe. Meaning how Malchus, a reflection of Malchus, transmits in a manifest, enclosed way in the world. But the name itself, meaning Hunizgiv, is above and exalted and beyond. He's giving an example now. You know, the kingdom on earth is similar to the kingdom above in heaven. So he's giving now example. Like, let's see the Malchus on, on earth. We speak about Malchus. Malchus on earth, the Melech is not um, contained. Which means, when he's, the fact that he's the king of the nation, he's above and beyond them. You know, we say, it means, the word nitfus is a hard word to translate. Nitfus means when somebody is there, but they're not there. What the expression we say is, uh, one second, you're in the world, but not of the world. So it basically means you're there, you're not completely, but you're not of it. You're, you're in a state that's removed from it. And deeper levels, we speak about atmos, and atmos is not nitfus, means when we as human beings make a choice, or when involved in something, you're involved in it. You cannot be involved and not involved at the same time. If you're detached, you're detached. It's true you can be involved only 5%, but that's because of because then you're not involved really. You're only involved. But when it comes to the kus in higher levels, you could say it's completely involved, but not involved. Meaning it's not defined by its relationship. So it's not defined or shaped or and so on. It's used sometimes in the highest levels to explain pchira and atzmus. How Atmos is not nitfus in his choices. So he's like, his, because he's not dependent on it. You see, when you eat a meal, you're nitfus in it. You have to be, because you're dependent on it. You need the meal. You need the food to go into your mouth. There's no other way. With God, the Atmos, you don't, he doesn't need the food. So if he wants something, it's purely because he wants it. He's not nitfus in it in any compelled way. He's not compelled to be there. Now, I'm just using, I'm just to explain the idea. Here it's speaking on a lower level. But one second, one second, I want to just say. Yeah. Fine, fine, fine. No, no, but I want to just explain what the word, because you'll see. The, I, I'm, there's a reason I'm jumping. Because the word nitvis is, is because the Malchus Da'ara has a taste of that. So really what it comes down, it's a type of of, um, of not really being of it. And dependent on it, not really being trapped by it. Not really being contained by it. So example of this, a Malchus Da'ara, his, being a really a Melech, is not just he's a king, he's not trapped by He's not immersed in, 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 the, in the, the Anshe, what he says here. The Anshe Hamedina. What's Poshut? No, why, why is this not Poshut? No, because he's going to a deeper level. Can we just say, he's not nitrous, he's not, he's not, he's not, he's not, he's not being, he's not being grabbed or, or taken by the, by the people. Of the what does that mean? Explain that in English. What I just said is exactly that. What does it mean he's not grabbed? 
And, and, and you are grabbed. I mean, who is grabbed? To say he's on a higher level, we know he's on a higher level. Not nitfus means that he's, even though there's king, he's not defined by them. And, and, and he did? He's talking about a yid now. He's talking about a melech. Um, that's why I gave this whole example why, of what nitfus means. I was trying to explain nitfus means that he's fundamentally a higher level. The chukei hamel, it's something like sevev is not nitvis, like mamala. Mamala kalalmin, when a faculty, when the energy enters into, when energy enters a faculty, like let's say to see, so the actual energy enters into the eye. It's not, it is nitvis. When it's in the eye, it's not elsewhere. For example, when you talk about um, Eliyoh Hanavi, when he comes to a bris, so it's not, he has only, he's only a, um, he doesn't have to be there, manifest there. So he can be in many places at once because it's spiritual. When the faculty, in the, when the energy of the soul goes into an eye or into an ear or into other faculties, it, um, it manifests there and it's not elsewhere. And it's affected by the organ. If the organ is weak, the faculty be, will, will be weaker. Rotson, for example, as we discussed earlier, is not nitvis in the faculties because it remains removed and beyond. It's a form of makif. It's like the sunlight is not nitfus in what it shines on. A soul is nitfus in what it enters. A soul is grasped. So that's an example. I'm using it because with this term, okay. And the laws of the king, the laws of the king, the decrees of the king, which is the chayz v'kimaam, which is the life and sustenance, the life and sustenance of the nation. Because they're ruled, they're governed by his... Uh, Rules. Halizadak <clears throat> is only a reflection of the king. So even though they're completely governed by the king, but you cannot say his rules define him or in any way that he's manifest in them in a very con- contained way. As it says elsewhere. So here we have an example. That's the example. So you could have uh, a reflection coming from the king to the nation. But the king himself, the Shmoy Atzma is Nizgav. So that's what it means. Elakim Chaim, he gives life, sustenance, Umelachelam. But that's only the level of Melachelam, how he's the king of the world. But the name itself, you say Melach, what is the Melach like? The Melach is a different level. So this is all to explain how Malchus is. Malchus is manifest in Biyaz, the soul as it comes into existence. There it's manifest. And then what Yaakov did. He's bringing down, he's, he's revealing the root of Malchus, in it, this, the, the Malchus from its root, before, higher than it's being manifest. So even as we are down here, the Nakuda that's, that's concealed has, has within it, and Yaakov is drawing down its source, which is... Well, he says the word. Uh, I mean, does, it doesn't make sense. The root means he's still connected there. Source means where he came from. Isn't that the uh, Sometimes. I mean, I wouldn't get a trap here because he doesn't say those words. He doesn't say He just says Malchus has it's higher than manifest in worlds. I'm sorry? Which Davidi? Well, he just interpreted the Lakim Chaim from Yermia. Is that what we say? Yeah. Okay. 
And with this, we'll understand the Dalad Rapsi, the large Dalad, in the word Echad. In Shema Yisrael, we say Echad, the Dalad is large. Shadeim is the Bechinus Malchus Kaneda. The Dal, this the Dalad Rapsi hints to the level of Malchus. We have to say that when we say afterwards Baruch Shem after Shema Halek Fad Nirmas in Yom Malchusis Baruch B'Dal Rab Sedechot. Oh no, Imkain Tzarech Lohaven. Sorry. If that's the case, if Shema Yisrael Hashem Echad, that the Dalad is referring to Malchus, that's as it says in several places. So in other words, Echad meaning usually Echad is Aleph is Alufish Elam Ches is the seven heavens and the earth, and Dal is Dal Ruches Elam the four. Directions, but Dalid definitely explained in places that, like he says here, is Malchus. Let's see where he goes with this. We'll have to see how much we have to explain here. So he's not, according to that, then what Baruch Shem Kveid Malchus Eleilam Vod? He already said Malchus Dim. Can't start with Mashal Machna Baruch Shem Kveid Malchusay. Halik Fanin Mezinim Malchusay B'Dalid Rapsi Dechad. Chusay is Baruch. We already hinted to and alluded to the God, the God's Malchus in Shema. By saying that he's one, that Echot, and the Dal is Malchus, saying that his his kingship, his leadership, rules. So what does Baruch, Baruch Shem mean? Blessed is your name, Kveid Malchus, the honor of your Malchus, the Elam Vod. It means that Halakhas is fused with the Dal, with the Malchus, right? He's not spelling it out, so I'm not sure. It could be that, yeah, yeah, Papashtus. We'll see, we'll see in a second. So what is Baruch Shem adding? You ever think of this when you say Baruch Shem? Okay. Right. So now we're gonna we're gonna find out what, what it is. So what is the story? So it goes like this. explanation of this is who ki hadal drapsi remes alpchinus etzemid the smalchus is baruch. Shul amayel mislapshus bebiya. But the dal drapsi, the large dal, is hinting to, alluding to malchus that we said the core malchus. That's higher than manifesting in Biya, the king as he's in his own state. This gives Shemai. He didn't say it, preposterous, but we'll soon see. And, and why at that Dalit we're moving our head in eight different directions? It seems to imply it's also in every place, even down here. That's, that was the question I was with this whole usual interpretation, as far as I know. How do you, how do you, how do you judge it through it together? My suggestion is we read till the finish, what the Rebbe Rashab says, and then we discuss it. Okay, no, fine. Well, Chain Hadalat Sitrin, and that's why the four directions, Mizrach, Mairef, Tzof, and Darim, east, west, north, and south, and Betelim Shem they're completely subjugated, they're completely nullified, their whole Metzias there. That's the Dalit. So the Dalit directions, the four directions of the Dalit, in this state of Malchus, as it's not manifest in existence, in other words, the king as he is on his own, there they're all nullified, all the four directions. As it's known, that this, that the yesh, the itness, the identity, is a tefes mokim, um, which means occupy space, that has value, has significance.
Yesh has a place and has a place only compared to the divine energy that is manifest in it. So, for example, the divine energy that gives you and me life or gives life to any part of this existence is clearly giving life. So it's giving you value and recognition. You have standing. That's the thing. You have a standing because that's the whole point. Elikus wants, when the Abishta says, he Eir, Eir has significance. But if you go to the Abishta before he said Yehi or the level that he's not manifest in Yehi Eir, then it doesn't have significance. Not that he doesn't want it, but it means to say he's removed. But Yehi Eir means that he's invested in saying the words Yehi Eir, so there's a divine force, like he said, Elikim Lashonabim. That's why it's Elikim Lashonabim, because you could say, one second, Elikim is removed. He's saying, he's giving energy to a bunch of things, but he's manifesting in them. That's the key. So that's why even Elikim, the name Elikim becomes Lashonabim. Not just that he's giving energy. You could, you could say Elika, and he's giving Chayis uh, to a thousand uh, uh, creatures. No, but, what is but you're saying that, but he manifests in this. So the divine energy is inside them, being inside them. So even the Lakim, the, the godly energy, Al Shem Haribui, that's the name the, the energy also becomes. So, for example, the sun does not become splintered into a million suns because it's shining in a million places. It's one sun, it sends light. And the light goes shines on a pile of garbage just like it shines on a palace. It's makif. That's what means no nitrus. It's not nitrus. But when you talk about energy that manifests internally, and it needs your investment. It's not just I'm going to send energy and let it go in any direction. Then the energy itself is tailored. As we spoke earlier, the air panimi, it's tailored to the thing that it's entering. So it's tefus makim in that sense. Then it is relevant. It's relevant because it has to say, not You can't just say, God says, let there be a world. And, and then the energy itself will figure out what to do. It means there's a, there's a relationship. Remember, we're talking about interface. There's a relationship between this, between the entity, and um, that means tefus makim. That has that has standing. It has uh, significance. Only legab there elakisha b'bchinis sabshim b'nas. Av legab b'chinis seviv ena yesh tefus makim klal. But compared to seviv, which means so let's call it the desire. God wants a world where He's not yet spelled out. Let's let's say earlier. The Esosphinus Agnusus, however you twist it, at the end of the day, even as, as abstract as they are, it's Esosphinus Agnusus, not the leaven, and not the Bligvul, not Enkets. So ultimately there's a connection. But if you ask the Esosphinus Agnusus, what about the Bligvul, Svirus Enkets, where they're God's desire, the artist, we talked about the artist that has infinite ways to make art. Before he chose this one way, he's removed. At that point, it does, it, he has not yet invested in these ten. So basically, when you talk about chayes that manifest in existence, that's we're talking about Eris and Kalim. Seviv, in this case, remember Malchus, as it's higher than the manifesting the world, is compared to the compared. The Gaba Biyah, it's in a form of Makiv, and since it's a form of Makiv, like he says here, meaning before God says here, when he says Bereshis Bara Lakim. Then, then Eir is not Tefus Malkim. Because he's not yet manifest or determined to manifest in that energy. It's, it's essentially, to give an example, human example, there are many examples. This is not difficult to understand. Think about, you have a desire to build a home. You have a desire for whatever it may be. And it's not yet been spelled out. So someone will say to you, do you want to have 20 rooms or 21 rooms? You'll say, right now it doesn't make a difference to me. I want a home. At some point it will make a difference. At this point, I want a home. Or how big the room should be. 
Any of the details, you're not interested in them right now. You're more you're talking about the general concept. Now comes the next stage. How Elokus is mechayel is now we start talking details. You say, well, you know what? I want 21. I don't want 22 rooms. I want 10. I want 10 rooms, not nine rooms. I want 10, not 11 rooms. And I want them to look like this. According to then, the room is tape for smokim because you want it exactly like that. It's two stages essentially. So and everything is nullified there. That's why he said the Dalazuch is an echad. The turning in all directions is not about directions, it's to show that the whole existence of the world is really nullified in the presence of the of the overall uh, the, the higher force, essentially. And then when we say we're not talking about Malchus as it is removed from the world. So the Malchus That's how Malchus manifests and comes into manifestation and enclosed in Biyah, like Elakim. Now it's manifest in even every creature. Now he continues. Okay, so we got clear we have clear here what's going on these two levels. Well, let's read the words. Read the words. Yeah, let's see. No, it's, uh, listen, listen, listen. I don't know what you mean. This is semantics, what you just said. What does that mean? There's a God that created the world. God is called Elokah. Then he says, So I'm asking a question. Why don't you? Why do you, why do you call him Elokim? Just call him Elokah. And he gave Chayes to every no, because he manifests inside them. So therefore, he, the energy itself, is called not just Elokah. It's called Elokim. Look, it says Bal Hakeches Vayecheles is the Lashon Shulchan Aruch. Both, both. From an, from an individual it comes from a divine source. For every little thing, completeness, full form, and and as we're looking for an outside observer, we can say Elokim for the whole, for the whole world. No, we're not saying many gods. We're saying many ener- divine energies. Right, right. But the, but the name, but 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 it's the, you use Elokim. You say you know you say Breishis Bar Elokim. So what it literally means, Breshis Bar Elokim, in the beginning, the world was created by gods. That's how you would translate it, literally. Because Elokim is Lashon But so the point is, what does it mean, why is Lashon It's created by the, the multiple forces of God that manifest in the world. But even God himself is called by that. No, but you're not saying Elokim created many things. You're saying Elokim, you're using a name of God, and, and you're saying Hashem, because this divine energy actually is invested. In each element here. That's why the Greeks had to be, had to be translated very, very interesting. Now, what is this large dalit? Why is it large? So, this is the godless hadibur, vukeh hadibur. This is the maturity um, and the dibur in its full, uh, full, 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 full blossom. A fully blossomed dibur, vukeicha dibur, and this is the power of dibur of speech. Now remember, malchus is dibur, b'dvar havaya shemayim nasu, b'dvar Hashem. So dibur is the way God creates. Remember, by dibur, by God, dibur shall kashbaruch chashiv ma'isa. So when He speaks, it's like action. So machshava, when you speak, the thought of the divine, a th- divine thought, like a, the thought by us, is to yourself. It doesn't yet create. Dibur is already how the manifestation is already on a level that's great. But there's Malchus as it is, higher than manifestation. So it's like a Dibur, like the king, is still speaking 
on his level. And then there's how the king gives a decree. So he explained the decrees of the king are how they manifest in the worlds. And the king himself is beyond that. So now he's explaining the Dalit opposite. What's the Dalit opposite? So he calls it Gadlus Adibur and Kech Adibur. Now, what's the explanation of Kiddur, as it's known? The way the Dibur and Malchus, the way it's in an Etzilis, it's like God's talk, and it's like someone's talking to himself, or someone's talking to his wife. Let's see, we'll see. We'll see. But he's going to discuss it. As it's known, the it's known that the words of deeper of speech that are means that they're uh, they're they're permanent they're permanent features of your mouth. That's literally what it means. Doesn't mean you speak all the time. It means There's the mouth has uh, the different sounds. So the Aishis Adibra Kwim Bepeh, Himrakam Shachov is Galas my Aishis Aruchni Shebenefesh. They're just a transmission and a revelation of the letters, the spiritual letters in the Nefesh, in the soul. So Kwim Bepeh means when you say, for example, we have the five, um, uh, uh, the five palettes. Huh? Yeah, yeah, the, the, the five different ways that we take it, whether it's, huh? the five, uh, what are they called, gutturals? Uh, no, the five, hey, mitzoy, sape. Many places, it's, it's a common thing. It's, it's, um, you know, whether you use the the, 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 the tongue, etc., the, the palate, the lips, huh? Right, exactly. What are they called? Hey, mitzoy, sape in Hebrew. The, um, the five gutturals? Is that what could it be? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure. So these letters, when we express, when I'm saying now a word, right now you're hearing my mouth speak, if you think about it, it's like a miracle speech. Like I'm saying words, and for some reason it's able to communicate ideas, and you can understand what I'm saying, hopefully. Um, and I think I'm understanding what I'm saying. So it's like interesting. What is going on here? So it's not like we're, we're if we were mind connected, you know, like my, you read my mind, I read your mind, you could say, okay, we're on a level of ideas. But here you take literal speech, which in a second you can just start garbling and say words that mean are meaningless. It's like literally physical tools, and they're in some way expressing uh, an idea from a deeper place. So what he's saying is that the, the, the letters that are kfuim bepeh, meaning the, the, our, our actual tools, there are a reflection of letters that are inside your spirit or in your, in your mind. So these are just expressions of inner expressions, so to speak. You have to say that. Because it's not like just a, it's not a machine that just starts talking. The, the, the words are connected to somewhere. They're coming and expressing from somewhere. So you have to say that, like, like right now, I'm even thinking about it. How fast can you express an idea? You can just start speaking and just expressing what you're saying without even... It's instantaneous almost. I'm not talking about you have to prepare... And you really think it through. I'm talking about right right now we're having a communication. You say something spontaneously. You say something. And I'm talking about intelligent comments, which exclusively dominate this table, right? So, um, so intelligent comments. That, that it means if it's coming so quickly, it means in some way there are letters inside your mind that are somewhat something finding some way to communicate to your mouth and tell your mouth to move this in this way. It's all happening split second. But that's clearly what's happening. If you slow down the process, super slow, what would be happening? There's something in the mind that's processing something. It's sending messages. And it's you've, you have in your mouth the ability, which again is miraculous, to just express it in a way that you and I can understand it. Now we speak English. Others will speak Russian. This one will speak Hebrew. 
That's just a matter of what language you speak. So it's pretty miraculous. You look at children, for example, by two, two, three, they're speaking. Which everyone wonders, I mean, there's a big question in linguistics. How? You know, they're speaking. So clearly they have the ability to speak earlier. It's just that from their parents, they learn the words. But it's not like if you had to teach a child from scratch, if they had nothing inside them before, it wouldn't be two years, it would take a lifetime. So clearly there's something inside of us that we understand. Like, you know, children begin to understand before they speak. When they're born. Yeah, it's true. So, so there's ACS, basically there's ACS benefish, that's the point. Except they're not letters that we can identify. And God forbid you have children, for example, that have difficulty speaking. That doesn't mean they have no ideas. That doesn't mean they have no, that, that they, can't, they just have, they, they physically can't express it. They may be shy, as we spoke, or they may have physical impediment, or whatever it may be. But, but the, so whether you're going to speak French or English or Russian or Hebrew, that depends on your parents. But that's not, that's only the, the way of expression, what words you're going to use. But the idea of expression is clearly the child has intelligence before it has words, basically, is the word. Then the words develop. So he's basically saying here there's like almost two levels. There's the speech as it emerges in the, in the, his Kuim Bepeh. They're only a transmission and a revelation, like he said about Baruch Shem. He's speaking now what the Dal Rapsi is. So we're going to speak about Dal Rapsi. That's how the Dibur is in, in, in Shema. That's how Malchus is on its own. And now this Dibur, how it comes out. So he says, they're only a reflection of the Asius Ruchim, of the spiritual letters, which have not... not has no physical ma- physical expression. It's almost like if you're thinking to yourself before you speak. So you have you, you can even say it in words. Shehein hachov beis esi shebenefesh aklulim bats musay. These are the twenty-two letters of alphabet of alphabets in the nefesh that are klum. They're encompassed in the core. Now we hard for us to really relate there because we ourselves don't even know what they look like. Because we, we also are tangible creatures, but we know at least that there's a process like that. That's also probably, yeah. One second. So that's it. Vize ike bechinus keyechadibur, sheyeshne ba'adam, gam b'shosheyne medaber. And this is the primary level called the power of speech that a human being has, that, that, that exists in a human being, even when he's not speaking. We say, you're a medaber. When we say a human being, we say, Stone, you know, mineral, vegetable, animal, man. We call a person a medaber. Medaber doesn't mean you're speaking all the time. Even though there are some people that do that. But, uh, but, but, but even when you're, you know. In Tanya, he says, there's no limit. Imagine God gave us all a quarter. You can only speak that many words in your lifetime. Huh? That would be great. That would be a... But you, what, what happens if you use it up like pretty early? No, if you use it then it's, it has longer lifespan. <laughs> no, it has a lot less it has a Uh, well, you know, they, they say that uh, the husband comes home to his wife and says, he read today an interesting thing, that men, uh, that women speak twice as many words a day than men. And men speak around 15,000 words a day, and women speak 30,000 words a day. So she says, of course, I have to repeat everything twice to you. Uh, you know, 
<laughs> Tell this to your wife. She'll like it, right? She'll say, I have to speak three times as much. I have to speak three times. <laughs> okay. So this is a very interesting piece here. Okay. So that's why we're called Medaber. So we say when a person is a Dibur, it's not just speaking. You're not just a speaker when you speak. You're a human being that is the power of speaking because they're always there, the, the letters, like he says. So here. Yeah. So he says, He's talking about Kayach. Remember he said the Dal Rapsi is Gadlus Hadibur and Kayach Hadibur. Gadlus Hadibur, who Kayach Hadibur? Gadlus Hadibur means, he means not Dibur, in its, remember he said Katnus and Gadlus. And the Kuda, you have to remember, and I, maybe I didn't elaborate enough, because it's, it's, it's really Kabbalistic language. When you look in Kabbalah, like these words, we learned them Er to Er. Look, look, he's ready, we're ready, one, two, four, six, seven pages, just to explain one line in Kabbalah. What is the line? The line is that when Yaakov, Yaakov is Evan Lematseva, that Meir says, Matseva Hakomas Malchus Mchinus Nakuda Lasese Partsuf. You read that, you never know, it's completely meaningless. What does it mean? I mean, it means maybe you could figure out, okay, he took a Nakuda. See, the word Nakuda has is volumes. Nakuda is every state. Of being that is in a state of 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 um, of katnus. Katnus means immaturity, early stages of growth, a seed. So it's not it's not just a word. Nakuda is not just okay. A point. Let's move on. Right. So right. So so nakuda is a point. But a nakuda, as we learned earlier, nakuda kav shetach. Everything starts with a point. You make a line, then it becomes a uh, plane. You know, a shetach, a space. Everything is like that. So the yud. Is obviously a very powerful letter because everything starts with the yud. So he says nakuda. It also in Aveda means a child is, begins as a nakuda, then he develops, then he becomes a shetach. Everything is in that type of form of so-called maturity and blossoming, seed development into a full blossom thing. It's usually three stages: nakuda kav shetach, nakuda tzvira partsuf, ibru yunik and which we learn later. In a mutva murgish muskul, there's many levels. And so on. So, bottom line, the word Nakuda is more than just. Uh, so, so, therefore, we spoke about it in the previous chapters, Nakuda. What is the Nakuda? We say Pintaliyid even. So, it can be completely concealed. So, the way the Nakuda, the point is in Biya, in the material world, in the, in the created world, rather, it's in a state of. in a lower state. When you say Gadlus Hadibur, you're saying Dibur in its full blossomed, its full mature state. What is it? It's really the Dibur that's in the Nefesh. What, what, what really, where the words come from, not the words themselves. Okay, so here we go. So this is the way it is, even in human being speech. Now he's going back to above. Dibur Elyon, the, the supernal speech, God speech, or God speaks. Same thing as Dibur Elyon. Because the letters, the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet are not man-made, these are divine letters, divine channels, actually, of expression. So how does it work? From the bottom up, we hear the words, from the bottom up, you hear a word. But you realize that word is rooted in a source, in a place that is obviously is going to be beyond words. But there's beyond, remember as we spoke before, the levels of Kei remember we said Seichel, conscious wisdom, unconscious, un-unconscious, to a point that's beyond, you can't even call it Seichel. But there's levels. The same thing with Dibur. When we hear speech, 
This is what you hear the words. These words are rooted in the source of words in the soul, and it goes all the way back. So he's going now into, he's really speaking two levels here. So he says the same thing as Dibur What means 22 letters? Letter is, is from the word Asabaker. Uh, it transmits. It's a, tra- it's, a tra- it's a channel. So he says there are 20, 22 letters means 22 types of transmissions. And revealing of different forces. One different than the other. That's the Lakim. That each one channeled it will, that from them that they sustain and energize all the worlds. Like it says, and you energize them all. So he says now, what's va'ata? Ata hina asius ma'alaf atof. What's ata? The letters ata. Aleph tof. Then there's a hey. Vehemitsois. That's it. Aleph tof from the chav bezeisis and hemitsois are the five gutturals. Five. I think it's gutturals. It's the five different uh, tools we have. What are they? They are the lips, the the throat, the tongue, the palate, and the and the teeth. Right. So this is like, for example, Ache, Alev Ches Hei Ayin, is the throat. Gichak uh, is the, no, Ache is not the throat. Ache is a, uh, I know the Lamed, Bez Lamed Pei, is the Lamed Bez Lamed, yeah. Yeah, Bumf is the lips. Gichak is the, Gichak, that sounds like the throat. Okay, yeah. Anyway, the different letters have different, so the Hei Meitzai Sapeh, I think so. You know, so the, I, I mean, I, I, so bottom line is, <laughs> the bottom line is the different expressions of the mouth are actually different uh, tools. So ata, that's ata. You hear? That's ata. Aleph tough is the twenty-two letters. Aleph through tough, and the hey are the five different gutturals. Who cares? I mean, he's he's saying. What are you talking about? It's the highest level. Who's that? Right here, saying Atta Mechayes Kulam. You have to. You're showing your 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 broad knowledge of Chassidus that you know some place Atta sometimes Atta Hares Ladas means Atzmos. Oh. My folk. Right now, this is the interpretation of Atta Mechayes Kulam. It probably has other interpretations. Atta Taka doesn't mean Atzmos sometimes. You say Atta Hares Atta Do Atzmos. Only uh, only atmos can be called ata, but that's not that's I wouldn't mix it here. <sighs> right, that, fine. If it bothers you, you could find that that everything is hulavade bekechavicholta. Yeah, but anyway, ata is that. So ata mechazer v'yesh behem beis madregas. Now here goes the two levels in this speech in these twenty-two channels of transmission that start from ata. There's two levels. There's the power of the speech, as we're saying, from where it's rooted. And there's the revelation of the speech. This is the two levels of Malchus. As Malchus manifests, and as Malchus, as Yaakov, which makes the Matseva, is the Kehachadib. The power. They are. All that. In the Chov Bezesis, in the whole Ato. He says, So in that, there's two levels. 
in Dibur and in also the Chav Beis Eishis and in the Aleph Atof and Hey Metzayis. All that. There's, there's two levels. Not just in the Kehcha Dibur with Gaos Adib. Vehem Bechinus Chemer Vetsura. There's Chav Beis Eishis as you express them in the in the in the Kuim Bepeh and the Chav Beis Eishis as they are in the and that's Chemer and Tzura. Chemer is Chemer is basically the raw something the 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 raw form and Tzura is the shape. So what's the word for chemer? Chemer is when you take. I don't know if the word is higher and lower. It usually goes that sometimes one is higher, sometimes the other is higher. Bria is chemer usually, and yitzir is surah. So chemer is when you take raw piece of clay, or any raw item, and surah is when you shape it. So everything has chemer and surah. God took, for example, the yikach offer min ha'adama. He took. I wouldn't use here matter and spirit. It would be not accurate here. He's not saying Surah as spirit. He's saying Surah and... Matter and form, yes. Matter and form, you could say. Chemer is matter and form is, 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 form is Surah. So basically, he's taking Chemer and Surah is when something is still in its, it's in the original form. Chemer Hiyuli, let's say. It's still in its original state. It's not yet shaped. And then... As we shape it into details, it becomes shaped specifically like a piece of clay or any any item. Like it writes, it says in the chapter section, So it says, That's the name of that again. The, the raw form of the letters is Chetzenius Hevel Alev. Is the outer um, Hevel. Well, we talked about Hevel. Ventricle. We talked about Hevel as being the orifices. We, no, there was a good word we used. Um, the channels, the, the, the canals. Hevel is the canal, like a canal. Hevel Alev. Hevel usually is an empty space. So you have like an empty space, the Hevel Alev. A cavity, yeah, the cavity of the heart. So the outer cavity of the heart, in order to give us, in order to speak, one of the things in speech is, is two things, is like this. The speech is how it's expressed in actual letters. But if you don't have a breath, if you don't have a force, for example, some people, yeah, probably breath. Yeah, the breath of the heart. So when, if you don't have the, 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 the breath, when you don't have the breath, you, so you could have the, all every, your mouth can be working, but let's say a person can't breathe, they can't express because you need you need to have you need to also have. But breath alone doesn't make sounds. Like you could just I can blow like a, and it doesn't sound like anything. But voice, when it comes, a voice requires a hevel, and requires the five metzoyes, the five gutturals. So the hevel blows through, but the gutturals shape it. So if you take away the gutturals, the gutturals you could have a mouth, but if you don't have like, so it's to think of it like an instrument, like a flute is a good example. If all the holes are closed, or they're all open, it's just going to be a plain sound. When you touch the thing, but if you only touch it and you don't blow through it, you don't have a sound. So the hevel is the source of the, the general sound comes from, sound comes from the, 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 the hevel comes from the wind. What did we say? It comes from the breath. We said hevel has breath. Yes, the hevel is also breath. But Hevel Alev has two meanings. Hevel Alev means, because in order for there to be breath, you need to have a, a, you need to have a, um, a cholol, you need to have a cavity, you need to have a canal. Because you need to, you need to go. If, if, for example, if the lungs were filled, God forbid, they can't breathe. Their whole thing is that they're empty. In other words, it's like a, uh, what do they call it, a pump. 
a pump has to have an empty component in it, and then you press it and it blows. So it has to have a hevel, is, is both things. Hevel means breath, but hevel also means like the pump, the empty space. Anyway, so the hevel, so it goes like this. That becomes a sound. And then it spreads, and it divides into 22 expressions. 22 expressions. So that's what we have here. So he's saying in a Geras case, we're talking that there's two levels. So the Chemer Aesius is coming from the outer. The Chemer Aesius, meaning before they're shaped, it's just a wind. It's a it's a it's a breath. It's a flow. But Surus Aesius and the shape of the letters Ubchinus Nefesh. Okay. So we have two things going on here. There's the actual letters and how they form. How do they form? As I said earlier, even before a person learns to speak, or even before you speak Papayal, you have ideas. When I'm speaking now, the words, the, the, what I'm, my, my, my letters coming out of my mouth are just uh, an outer expression, outer tools that are expressing something coming from within. That's clear. The process is quite miraculous when you think about it, how fast it happens and so on. But that's what it is. It, it's, it's similar to no different than taking a pen, and now I'm writing down olive base, and I write an idea down. So clearly, no one said the pen has nothing in it. The pen all it has is ink. But there's no expression if you don't have the pen. There's no expression if you don't have the words. The same thing in anything. So it's basically the words. So the chaymer of the atheist, the actual so-called uh, raw substance of the actual sounds. Where do they come from? They don't come from the deepest part of your soul because the soul is not doesn't make sounds. The soul is about ideas. So the raw thing comes from a f- certain mechanisms. What are the mechanisms? That we have a breath from the hevel, chetzenis hevel alev, from the outer so-called breath of the heart. It's only chetzenis because we're not talking now the emotions. We're just talking about a breath. That breath goes through the five gutturals, those five things, the lips, the t- throat, the tongue, the palate, and the teeth. And it shapes into 22 letters. Aleph, bays. Right now, aleph, bays, gimel, dalet. They sound differently. So the actual sounds... And the actual mechanism is a, that's the chaymer. That's the raw. But, but what is the, but the surah is so-called, here yes, spirit would work in a way. Not the spirit, what's within it? What's, what's the, the, the not, not, you know, then I could just say anything. I mean, any words I say. If I just started speaking gibberish, blah, 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 that. It also has the element of chaymer. But you want to take now the chaymer, the raw sounds, and turn it into surah. So when I mean, you say, for example, olive base gimel dalad hey, it means nothing. But I say the word, let's say, baruch. Uh, so Beis Reish Vav Chaf, organized in Bord Baruch, has a whole meaning. So the Suda, meaning the shape, the inner form of it, not the raw letters and the sounds, that is the Suda, that he says, Suda says, That's already the power of speech within the Nefesh, which means the Nefesh's ability to communicate, to comprehend, to express an idea, because as I said, you can have a person without seichel and they can know how to speak. You can have a person who speaks has no seichel. And you can have a person who has a lot of seichel and is not able to speak for whatever reason. So clearly there's two forces at work here. One is the chaymer, one is the tzura. Okay, good. All this is obviously to explain the two levels that he's talking about, the dal drapsi. So we're talking about shema. Well, let's say malchus as it is manifest. And the outer expression, like by the king, it's an outer expression. And there's Malchus as it's higher than manifestation. That's how it's still in the spirit and, and so on. That's in a form of Sevev. So let's continue. 
וידוע, אוקיי, וידוע that from them is created the chumri sa'ilam, the crass substance, the raw matter of the world, and its existence. That's the when we say in the words of Hashem, the heavens were created. In other words, in order to create a physical heaven, we're not talking about what its deeper meaning is. You need dvar Hashem, you need actual expression of physical words. In the, obviously by God may not be physical words, but it has to have some type of definition of matter. But Surah Sa'asius, Hubchin Sa'ir, that's already the energy within. And that poils the Nibitl. So basically, one second, I'm, 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 let's, let's discuss it. Let's discuss it. Remember, it's also all being recorded. So I want to just, let's get the flow and then we'll... Uh... So the Chaymer Asius is what gives substance to existence. But that's like the actual words that's being expressed. But then there's the idea behind the words, where the words are originating from. Like, why did God create heaven? Not just that he created it. And what's the purpose of heaven? And what, what is his true personality? That's a whole other story. That's the Surah. And when you go to the Surah, there you get the Bittl of the Nivroim. He's going back to Dalad. Remember the Shema, the Bittl of the Dalad Ruchas. So you have the existence of creation. That comes through... Actual expression of words. And you have, obviously God could have done it anyway magically and could have done it without all these things. But he wanted it to be a system that works, a system that we can relate to and understand, and a system that's reflected in our system. So he, so he created it in such a fashion. So there's Machshav Dibur also in the divine. So the Dechemer the, Dibur is what creates the heavens, the earth, all the material things. And the Tzudasaisis, which means the Kayach Dibur, the power behind them, the energy within, is what creates the bitl. So, like we spoke many times, a system cannot change itself. The thing that built the system cannot change the system. Because the building of the system is, is, is built by those rules. The person who's putting the bricks down, that's his job. To transform it and turn it to something that's beyond itself requires a force that goes back into the engineering room. It's almost like a king, once he makes a decree... That the decree has been passed. If you want to change it, you have to go back to the king, to his source, and get a, a new, so-called a new decree, a new, ordin- a new ordinance. The same thing in any type of situation where you have, it's like tshuva. Tshuva needs to go back to the source and open up a new channel to repair something because it's been broken. So once something is broken, there's a cause and effect. How do you? Ch- so that so you need to go back. So that's the bitl that it causes. It's a Hanukkah Maimer, like it says in Tereya, the Maimer, Mezuzi Yamin. Bnei Hanukkah Mesmeil is the Maimer. Okay, you want to ask something? So Chaim is not, if Chaim is Kalim, Chaim has to have specific type of, almost a Tzirah, a Tzirah, a Shaykh, I'm trying to, I don't understand. Chaim, it sounded like it was just nothing. Undifferentiated matter, but now you're saying it's differentiated in, in a shape. It's kalim have shapes, 
as, and, and, and the surah is energization, you know, is or. I, I don't quite understand that. Well, there's two elements going on here. When I well, let's say let's 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 think of the process. An idea comes up in a person's heart or so mind. The idea has not yet been shaped into letters, but then it goes through the process, and now it's being communicated in actual physical letters. So one thing of Chaimer and Surah here is is very straightforward, and that is that the real meaning behind the letters, the Surah, that's more like the spirit is from this is, is the idea. And the chamer in this case would be the raw expression of letters, olive bays, whatever the words are. When we spoke earlier, there's also another side of it, which seemingly contradicts, but it's not. It's just a different way of looking at it. There's the raw sound that comes out if you just breathe. Or, and to make it into letters, you need something, you need a surah to shape it into letters. So uh, the truth is, that's how I explained it initially. And, I, and it's not a contradiction. You're talking about two different things completely. Uh, I think we have to go with the first thing because he really, I, I initially thought that's what he was going, but I still think he's, he's hints to that because that's Chaymer and Surah because he says, you know, the Kail, Chetain Salev, Shanasa Kail, Venechlech, Havoris. So I think there's two different elements of Surah and Chaymer here. One is raw sounds, that's Chaymer, and Surah is the letters that are more intelligent. Make, uh, and there's another, and that, but then there's Chaymer and um, uh, yeah, the same thing. Actually, it's the same thing because what shapes the letters from being raw sounds? That's coming from an inner place. That's not coming from the outer place. What does so, the kalim mean? The kalim is the is the outer expression. The kalim is the chamer, the raw sounds. But the chamer has already some sort of because even when the hevel, he the, the, the is what's going in those sounds. What's what the message in the sounds? The the inner man. It's the Hevel with the Aleph base and Gimel. So it's the Aleph, it's a base and Gimel. So there's some sort of, it's not just Chaymer, it's Chaymer with some... Right. Okay, fine. that's true. That's fine. So that would be like the Surah within the Chaymer. But it's still not the Surah of, right. that's coming from the Nefesh so part. Sort of, sort of yeah, 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 that's correct. That, that, that's accurate. But, but, but in general terms, in general terms, the Chaymer is primarily the outer expression and the air is primarily the inner message. Um... Um, one second, the chemer, what I say before the chemer is. Yeah, so, no, so it's true. So, in the physical process itself, you have two elements. You have this just rear, just a sound. Like, you know, you just make a sound. And then you have the, 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 the breakdown of the letters. The missing link, because God's sound was, is not physical, right? So, then how does it become physical? One second. God has the power to make physical, that's his power to make it physical. Look, Atmos can do whatever he wants in any way he wants. But Atmos creates it through a system. So his system is very similar to our system. That first there's a machshava, this God has a thought. That thought turns into an idea that comes into words. And then he says, Yehi Oyer. So when you say he says Yehi he, he, he doesn't have a voice box, right? Maybe he has better than a voice box. He created the voice box, so he has even better than that. Right, but, so he's but, the creator of the physical. To, we're trying to create the physical here. We're trying to create from... from Okay, so he said Yehi'er, just like you say Yehi'er, he said Yehi'er. And uh, there was no one around to hear it, but <laughs> but existence came into being. You're asking how it became Gashmis? That's only Atmos has the power to create Gashmis. So he created the voice box. Because you're saying that we didn't create the voice box. Whoever gave us the voice box is the creator of it. Right. So that's his, 
So think of it. There's, there's the idea behind the voice box, and then there's the voice box. I'm not sure what you're asking. Does he have the power to do it? You know he has the power to do it. Yeah, of course. Okay. So, so yeah, exactly. That, of course. The power to create something physical, which really means that there were two stages in the creation. One is God thinking about it. What's his, what's his intention in it? The Suda. And then there's the Chaimah that he actually did something, a second type of expression. That an expression that would be like a Lakim and Avaya. All the physical, yeah, you can say that. Yeah. Yeah. But what, what, what part is bothering me? I'm not clear. I'm, I'm telling you there's a process. The whole process I understand. Actually, what happened, like Hashem said... It says, He looked in the Torah that he himself wrote. And says, It means, yes, an Amira that is a gili in a Gashmizdika way. Similar, the only example we have is like you saying something you're thinking. So God, on his level, said something that he was thinking. And gave it substance. By doing that. Saying if we would have been around, by No, I don't know what the problem is. Think of it like this: you know, by us, energy can't become matter, because energy is energy. But think, divine energy can. Divine energy is flowing like this. And meanwhile, it's an energy fund. Then there comes a power that comes from atmos that lets the energy actually turn into matter. That level is dibur. That's what Dibur means. That's the essence of Dibur. No, but it's no, but it's a talking. It's, that's called talking. That's what talking really means. That's what he's saying. That's what really talking means. Talking is an expression of an inner thing. Don't 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 use your standard of talking. That's what real talking is. But Nizgalis in a in a in a, in a tangible con- uh, physical way. Yeah. It's like what we spoke earlier about the Esesvir Sagnuzis. That all how he wants it gvul, but there it's, it's like not even dibur yet. So it's there, but but in machshava it's like, but think in the lower level that's what happens. Yeah, the actual process, if you're able to see it, I mean it's hard to define. We spoke many times that everything comes from God, even the ruchnis, even the energy comes from God. You see, that's the problem. That's what gets complicated because even the energy is also a creation. You could say, but ask a better question. What's the difference? There's the energy, and then there's the kelim. The kelim energy is, is also a kelim, yes, essentially, because Atmos doesn't have any gili. But the, but there's two ways that he's megala. One is a gili that reveals him, and another is a kelim is not revealing him. So it becomes what chema really means is concealed divine. It's it's a revelation for us, but it's a conceal, it's a concealing of a deeper level. So that's really what Kaelin, like he says, it's a Dvekus built in the Keras. I don't know if this is the place, but, uh, but I'm saying it, it takes, it takes a, a half a minute to say Asana Mamari, so how, why does it take six days? If I could ask that, maybe it's not the place. It doesn't work that way. You, you're thinking always from the bottom up. Six days were created by God. It's not, it didn't take him six days. Chesed is a day. In Ruchni, Chesed is a energy. When it manifests in time, it's a day. It didn't take him six days. He created six. It says, Hashem. He created six days. Not he created in six days. There were no six days. A day that you call twenty-four hours is by God Chesed. That's Chesed. Chesed's parameters in Zman Gashmi is a day, twenty-four hours. That's what you have to think of. It's twenty-four energies if you want to put it that way. Not the other way around. It didn't take him a day. It could have taken. It could have been a year. But that's the manifestation. 
In other words, think of think of this world space and time originate in a spiritual space and time. What's spiritual space? Chesed. Now, what's Chesed? Chesed. In some reason, when Chesed turns into a Gashem, it's twenty-four hours. You'd base Sirufi Avai, you'd base Sirufi Adnai, whatever it is. means he used the six midas to create the world. Yeah, but the six midas themselves are also created by God. So that's God's parameter. That's the parameter. Manifested in twenty-four hour period. We're back to numbers. When, when it comes into Gashmis, why? When Chesed becomes Gashmis, it looks like water. When fire becomes Gashmis, it looks like. I'm sorry. When Gvuda becomes Gashmis, it looks like fire. So don't think of the fire and, and water are just chesed and gvuda and chesed. You know, like that sense. Okay. No, it's, it's completely appropriate to talk about this. Obviously, it's, it's a, you, need to, you, know, you need to abstract it a bit. But clearly, look, you can ask a better question. Maybe the biggest question is this. If I was there, the second before creation, and then Bereshit's butter happened, what would I have seen? That would be the big question. You know, what would you see? No, scientists talk about a big bang because a big bang means there's something before the big bang and there's something and now we're talking about before big bang. There's no big bang. There's nothing there. Fine. A big bang would be there's something. There's gas and then there's an explosion. That's easy to envision. We see it all the time. We're talking about there's no existence and then there's existence. Let's say you were there a second before existence and existence comes into being. What does it look like? It's a very good mind experiment. You wouldn't have existed. (laughs) Exactly right. You wouldn't have existed. So there would be no consciousness to be aware of anything. It's very hard to envision because, like he said earlier, if you remember there's a a chapter where he says it's, it's impossible for humans to envision something outside of time and space. Anything we envision is going to use time and space as a context. Like that's why you say in terms of like before, even the word before, what do you mean before? That Even that, is, you can't, you said there's no existence. There's no before. Because a second before existence, there was no Zman. Zman itself was created. So what it means before, there's no before there. Then when you start thinking like that, you start saying, so what am I, how, how am I supposed to look at that? You can't. Because in other words, think of it this way. If you traveled outer space, hypothetically in a spaceship, and you had gas forever, how far could you go? Would you hit a wall somewhere? No, we can know. No, but but so hypothetically, you think you'd hit a wall if you went trillions of miles? After 500 years, maybe. No, you, I can envision that you just go on forever. Yeah, I, I can see envisioning forever. And what means forever? It's not forever. You're never going to hit God because God is here just like He's there. After and maybe, and, and for all you know. For all you know, it's like a circular system. But it's levels. So you're just going, really, you're just hitting, you're just going to the edge of it. And, and you just I never get out of it. You can never... Anyway, you understand what I'm saying? You never get out of it. it. It's infinite in the finite. You never get out of it. Because that's the definition. If you get out of it, it's a different reality. Anyway, the bottom line is, when, the farther you go, maybe it's like, maybe you're really not, you think you're going, but you're really going inside of a bubble. That makes you think that you're in, that you're you're gone, but you haven't gone anywhere really. You're just going uh, around like this. You keep coming. No, the point of the matter is, it could even be infinite. It's not technically infinite, but it could be something that you can never really reach. You're never going to go. In other words, and suddenly say, "Ah, oh, I suddenly got into Atzilus." That's not going to happen, right? Because Atzilus is here. So they, I know some people have taken off looking for Atzillus, and they forgot that someone told them Atzillus is right here. So they're somewhere in outer space. You know, there. there are people like that right now walking the streets. They're in outer space looking for Atzillus when Atzillus is right at your door. Stuff. But that's another story. Anyway, my point I'm trying to say, it's, this needs much more discussion. This, as I said many times, this requires you have to retrain how you think. This is not just a matter of a five-minute thing. We think in terms of time and space. Even, even think how you ask questions. 
Like, you know, you asked the question, like, why did God need six days? I'm not criticizing, I'm just saying, you're asking because for you six days is a given. So why would God need six days? He's a God. But then he starts saying, that's why the Zoya says, God created six days. He didn't create it in six days. And, and, and this tack is asked. The question is asked, why did God not create the world earlier? So there's three answers actually given. When's earlier? You never learned this question, Exodus? Well, anyway, there's a question like this in Siddha that the Maggot asked the question. His answer is because Zman is a Nivra. Zman itself is a creation. When, what means why did the world, God, God could have instead of five thousand seven hundred and seventy-three years, five million? <coughs> could have created five million. So the answer given is that Zman, that Zman itself is a creation. Which, if you start thinking, what does that mean exactly? Okay, Zman itself is a creation, but you know something, God. No, no, no. So, but then, but but then there's. Okay, listen. Let me let me just finish. So the guy, so. Then there's a question. You guys have to listen before you speak. Then you'll understand something. Yeah. You're all out in a conversation. Like you, if you have a theory about it, go ahead. I'd like to hear it. But this is more complicated than you think it is, and you have to really absorb and think about it. Um, there's a whole discussion about this in Chassidus. So he says that in Eitz Chaim, the answer is given, a very seemingly strange answer. That why did why did God why did it take why. Is the world this long? Because Seder Shtasu is a very big Seder Shtasu. It took a long time to go from there to here. That's what it says in Eitzchayim. Which is a very strange answer. Wait, 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 he's talking about before the world was created? <coughs> Let me finish and I'll say what I have to say. So, he's talking about that, that it took a long time. Because took a long time. Which, what does that mean? So, the Tzema Tzedek says, Okay, if it took a long time, so it should have began earlier. And it would have taken, <laughs> and so we have as long. So, but it doesn't answer the question. And what does it mean? It took a long time. What I mean is there time there? The whole thing is. So the answer that the answer that Samach Tzaddik brings is that God created the way He wanted to create it. So there's really three answers right now. That time is a creation. That that uh, it took. It's a long process, and that God did it when He wanted to do it, which is really the ultimate answer. What does it mean? Of course, God could have created the world. Five million, uh, five million old world. Of course, he could have done that. That's not a problem. There's no fundamental problem because whenever it begins, it begins. He can begin it whenever he wants to begin it. The real issue is where does it begin qualitatively? That's the question, not quantitatively. How much of it is 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 part of Asmus? For example, when you say shitaf shnin six thousand years, you're saying really six midas. So the question is, why do you create six midas? That's what you want to know. If you understand why he creates six midas, if he would create six thousand midas, then the world could have been six million years old. But he creates six midas. That's what answer is that only God determined that. He t- determined that the parameters that he wants to allocate for existence consist of ten spheres, which in turn will turn into time. It will look like the time that we have at six thousand years. That will never have an answer why he made seven midas, not eight midas. If he had made eight midas, we'd have eight thousand years and eight days in the week. If you want to put it that way. If he had made eight, if he had, if he made eight million midas, we'd have eight million days in a week. That's fine. We don't under, relate to it because it doesn't understand how that would work. But existence would be different. So how existence is? That's completely up to God. We will never have an answer to that. But 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 once he created it that way, there's oh, there's definitely in other words. The point here is not. See, we think like children. We think okay, what was existed before the world? There was no time. It makes no difference. The world could have been a billion years old and still there's a point where there's no time. God does not manifest in time. The challenge is to think about existence outside of time is very, very difficult. That's the biggest challenge. That's the issue here. It's not a question of... 
raised today, that that was a certain that was a question. Why, why then? Right? But there is no then. That's the thing. That's the thing. It's not then, but you have it's to. Re- all the it. what happened. Okay, so, you, so how do you explain it? And it says also and Shamlation, You see, so you get into. So you have to say that there's a point of Atmos where all everything is happening all the time, all the place, and there's no difference of time and space. Period. And we can't even understand that. Yeah, beyond. Yeah, yeah. That's be, not be, no, That's beyond everything. Yeah, that's beyond everything. Then this this divine force can do anything he wants. Did I say we can't understand everything? I said this we cannot understand. You know what? Know something? You begin to understand it when you start realizing you can't understand it. That's the point. What do you think? Of course you can understand it. You can't understand it with the tools, the image. This is katnus. You want to talk about a nukuda? This is katanim. We're small minds when it comes to this because we're completely material creatures. You'll find very few people on earth that can really talk about this in a sophisticated way outside of time and space. We're children. We talk just like children well, when it comes well, to this. Just say the words outside of time and space, and then it kind of makes sense. It doesn't make sense to us because we live in time and space, but the concept can make sense. Exactly right. That also explains. Okay, let's continue on here. Let's go on. Let's go on. Okay. I said this several times. One of the key things I learned from Chazara, the Rebbe would speak four, five, six, seven hours, and none of us would speak while he spoke. What does that mean? Absorb. Now, you think one second, smart people, you have a lot to say, a lot to think. But you know something? This wasn't just respect for the Rebbe, you don't speak while he's speaking, it's respect for the ideas. You cannot understand idea if you're using your processor. I can tell you right now, this conversation probably did not have too much impact because all of you were processing more than listening. Now that you have to listen to me, I'm not, uh, I'm not looking for COVID, to be honest. I don't need that. <clears throat> but if you want to appreciate these ideas, you can't be like in a, you're, you're, you're a debate. It's not a debate. Let's start with olive base. If you don't understand what's higher than time, then what, what, you know, first figure out what that means. And I think most people don't know how to do that because they don't know how to listen. Listening means completely wiping your clean, your hard drive clean, the slate clean, and thinking from the big scratch. If you have it all figured out, then you don't need to do that. If you don't have it figured out, there's the only way to do it. There's no way you're going to do this by fitting it into old mouse. It's like, it's like imagine a five-year-old kid came to you and said, explain to me at Silas. You know, there's no way to just do it. A person has to absorb and absorb and absorb until they really get it. It's pretty tough to wipe your slate clean. Oh, that's true. That's called bitl. That's why he says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's it's not so hard if you're truly... One second, you want to know something? It's not so hard if you're a truly intelligent person. Because intelligence dictates being silent and knowing how to absorb. Arrogance is busy me. I, on, I Here's what I think. I think, I think, I think, I think. It's not that difficult. If you truly want to learn something... You go to a master and you want to learn something, the first thing you have to say is, I don't know anything, and I want to hear from you. You're going to say, I know already half. You know, uh, there, there's some, some people say, knowing half about something is worse than knowing nothing. That's why Tuck is so hard to speak to religious people. Really. I mean, I can tell you as a teacher, the hardest people to teach are people who, are, who, who think they know. Because they really think they know. And they don't. They know maybe pieces. And that's the worst part. When a person says, I don't know, you know, there's people who say, I don't, I, I, people, people who, who know that they don't know, and there are people who don't know that they don't know. That's really the difference. So you have to begin, that's the way, 
It's not that difficult. If you're really interested in learning something, if you write, write, wanted to really become a surgeon, a doctor, you have no clue. You, you know that you'd have to begin listening because you have no clue what it is. And if you start saying in the first conversation you have in your class, well, I think like that, and you know what, I have questions. A good teacher will be nice to you, but he'll realize you're, not, you're never going to receive because you're busy with you. The first step in any real education, real stuff, now, we're not taught even to learn, to learn. We, I went to Yeshiva. We're not even taught this. We weren't even taught to listen. You know, we listened because of uh, being punished or something like that. It wasn't because we learned true uh, intellectual curiosity. You know, children actually are natural listeners. Children are natural listeners. That's why they learn so quickly. That's why it's easy to teach a child a language. Try to teach a 20-year-old a new language. It's almost impossible. Because already Seichel is developed. A child is a clean slate. Imagine sitting down at this age. Imagine at this age. Look, you can, it barely can get quite a, 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 a... At this age, sitting down and being taught, okay, we're going to teach you now how to write an Aleph. And write it again and again and again. And if you would have patience for a class just to write an Aleph, just to write it 50,000 times. Children have natural kabbalah because their slate is clean. So everything is... They're impressionable. We're not impressionable. Our hard drive is full. With most of it is shtusim, and most of it is actually unhealthy way of thinking. There's a healthy way to think and process. And this, is, this can be taught, by the way. But you have to really be interested. And usually adults are not interested anymore, because they already are in the middle of the rat race. You know, they're already on the merry-go-round. You're, you're not in an absorbing mode, most adults. They're already in a processing mode. Absorbing mode is a whole different story. Yeah. But it's probably do it. When we stood by Fabrenian, it was literally like a child standing and learning olive base for the first time. The only way to remember Fabrenian. If I didn't do that, I would not remember. And it was a pleasure to do it because it, you really forced you to stop the processor. The processor in the mind is very hard to process. Like Dr. Lang does not know how to stop his processor. He immediately hears something, he's right away fitting it into things he heard yesterday. He's on, no really. And I'm, I'm saying it, I'm using you as an example. To be able to listen to something without fitting it into anything you heard, it's not easy to do, especially if you're intelligent. Because if you're intelligent, why shouldn't I fit it into what I heard? But then what happens is you don't really hear it. And you know what happens? You think you heard it, then you come back a year later and you say, you know what, I never really heard it in the first place. You ever hear this? I mean, I see this all the time. People who think they're smart, they're, they, so they know, they say, you know what, I don't really have to listen to the beginning of this. I'll listen, I'll come at that. And then they start asking questions and you see right away they didn't hear. And so you really want to be blunt. You tell them, you know what, you, were, you, were, you, were, uh, you thought you were overconfident, right? I'll give you an example. I've done this example with, I started doing as a workshop. I think I'm, developing, I'm going to develop it into a serious thing. I, 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 a workshop called Guaranteed to Boost Your Memory by 20%. Guaranteed, money back guarantee. Maybe I said it, yeah. So let me tell you how it is. And you can test it. That, that this is what the exercise is going to require. It's two exercises. One especially for uh, married people. Um, the first one is for everybody. It goes like this. You're going to take a book, any book you like. I mentioned this here, right? Any book you like, and you can read it as many times as you want. One page. One page in a book. The goal is going to be to close the book, and you have to write down what you read. Not word for word, the ideas. The ideas of that page. Okay? And there's no limits in time. You can read it as many times as you like. Okay. And, and the, yeah, no limits at all. And then, uh, I tried this with groups. Different types, and always the same result. It's fascinating. Um, and then before we start, I say to everybody, okay, let's everybody first estimate, what do you think percentage-wise you're going to capture from the page? 
from one to to hundred percent. And o- almost everybody says from sixty to seventy to eighty percent. Sixty to eighty percent is m- most people. No one says hundred percent because it sounds arrogant, you know. But sixty to eighty percent is common. Maybe seventy, eighty is the high. 60, yeah. Hold on. <clears throat> right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So there's a. So that one is more mitzad than nimus, and the other is mitzad. <laughs> anyway, and people do it. The smarter the people, the faster they do it, and which is always good to see. And then everybody does it, and then we we, we look. We open the book, and, and I let them compare themselves. We don't even have to test it. You tell me. Now, if anybody hits sixty percent the first time, is a miracle. I've never seen it yet. Forty percent was the best. The smarter the person, the lower there is. And not only did they not write what it said, they wrote contradictions to what it said. They wrote different things than what it said. Absolutely, they themselves saw that it's contradictions. What they said was not what it said here. And once you write it, you can't look anymore. So there's no. You're talking that you because now everyone the second time around, it goes up from forty to sixty percent because the overconfidence is gone. Once they once they realize. Yeah, yeah. Once they realize, don't be so so convinced. You realize how 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 bad of an absorber you are, because you really don't absorb. What you absorb is how you understand what you're reading, not what is said necessarily. Sometimes you get it, and sometimes you don't. I mean, it happens all the time. We learn here sometimes, and we go back, and you see right away that's a different. I mean, you have to have that type of. That's one example. Um, the second thing. Is this is basically this principle of I did the Tarot Lemivla, Leipolit. We spoke about it before, Malchus. Well, it's busy absorbing, it can be busy transmitting. And vice versa. When you're busy transmitting, you can't be busy absorbing. Processing and absorbing is this. You can't process while you're absorbing, you can't absorb while you're processing. You need a little, obviously, if you're listening, you have to have something that's processing, but it's a very minimal, minimal. I remember clearly, and the second exercise, then let me tell you the second exercise. The second exercise is. With your spouse. Hmm? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. What line is that on? Reshud Aleph. Reshud Aleph. Oh, sorry. Okay. Yeah, the beginning of Bayaka. Okay. It's about the 12 lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, The second example is with your spouse. Next time you have a disagreement with your spouse, or in general... Um, so something that you disagree about. <laughs> okay, fine. It's going to happen. No, no. Don't. And you have a real strong disagreement about something fundamental. Would be even better. Sit down with your spouse and say, you know what? I'd like you to say it to me. I'm going to try to listen, and I'm going to try to repeat to you what you're telling me. And it's something you disagree with. And then. After you repeat it to her, ask her, did I repeat it accurately? Most likely you will not, because you're not going to hear what she said. Because you're already biased. You're going to hear what you want to hear, and you're going to build into it enough to slug it up, obviously. Because that's the whole point. In other words, you're not really able to listen to another person, because you disagree with them. That's not the sign of an intelligent person. That's an emotional person. Now, I'm not saying, you know, there may, you may be right, actually. But the only way to know is to step back and be not emotional about it, because you may be wrong. No, I'm not saying that every time you, your wife disagrees with you, you're always wrong. Sometimes you aren't. But to really get, to, like, for example, I mean, I, special, people who are especially good in, in, uh, in creativity and business, there's no doubt. You say an idea, someone else comes and says a complete contradictory idea. If you're really good, you're going to listen to it as if it has complete value. 
Because you really want to come to the best product. You don't want to be right. You want to have the best result. If the best result, you have to hear something because maybe you just your mind doesn't work that way, or you, you're a blind spot, or you're invested in your own position. It's a normal thing. I'm not saying that subjectivity is bad. Subjectivity is bad when you allow it to, to, to shape your conclusions and determine that that's the only way. It's not the only way. It's not easy. I, trust me, I, even though I know this mechanism, it's not like I've never been guilty of uh, the, the same mistakes. But I, but I know the problem, and, I'm, I'm, and you have to acknowledge it. That's why I think Hillel, it was a big thing to do that. It was not such a simple, simple thing. He didn't just say Shammai's words first and then to slug it up. He actually presented Shammai's idea, which was contrary to his own, before his own, giving it, a, giving it value. It's like respecting it. Not like, I'll tell you my opinion, and by the way, uh, another opinion, but you know, you, you, you just say it as a... Uh, he says that he on here also. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, what I'm saying, these are methods of thinking that we're really not trained in doing. I mean, if you don't have these methods down pat, if you don't really... It's very hard to, to definitely learn Chassidus. Because Chassidus is a different model. It's not the model of material world. Its whole point is to introduce a godly model. But if you don't have this attitude, then what you're doing is, even if you're smart, you're fitting Chassidus into your model. Look, like I said, God is not on the couch. We are. You know that? Type? Yes. But, but I'm saying the point is that the whole point of Chassidus is to introduce paradigms that are not on your level. Hashulchan Aruch is not like that. Gemara is not like Gemara is not coming to introduce to you a new spiritual reality. It's coming to introduce profound concepts. You've got to use your head. You also have to have an open mind. Gemara is a very complicated, very challenging, and so on. But it's not taking you into another... It's not taking you into another... Place, to, out of space and time. Gemara doesn't insist that you have to not think about things that are not tangible. Well, you, know, you have to think concepts. And sometimes shittas and this, it's, it's, it's very subtle. P- disagreements, why they're disagreeing. Consistent disagreements. You know, the, the whole... All, everything that uh, Pilpul uh, does. But Chassidus is, is, the whole point of Chassidus is to introduce Elikus. And Elikus is not in your terms. Elikus means that it's beyond you. And when you go there, that's why I keep saying, you go there, then you realize that Seviv is another step. And you're never really there. So this is not meant to, people think, why is that the way? You know, I remember we also asked the question, what's, hey, what kind of answer is that Vence of Umaret? You know, we always just say like a kappa. But then when you really understand, you forget this is the best answer. That's exactly, you know why you don't like Vence of Umaret? Because you want a tangible, tell me yes or no, black and white. We don't like not black and white things. But when you really learn about Elikus, Elikus is not black and white. That's the problem. Your black and white is your limited perspective on Elam Haza. Paradoxes and Hofchim are very natural in, 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 in Elikus. It's full of paradoxes. The whole idea that paradox disturbs us is because we are limited. Now, of course, it doesn't mean everything is paradox. That's why there is a system. Step by step by step by step. Anyway, I'm just, just an overall type of overview. So I'm saying this is critical. I mean, when we learn it here, from time to time I have these tantrums. But um, it's not really a tantrum. It's quite deliberate. Huh? Yeah, but no, but I'm saying to say because it's critical. If you want to go any deeper, you have to have these are these are the key things. Look, I'm not doing a class, a beginner's class, in the sense where we're sitting down now. Let's start kindle from you know how do you think, and let's talk about time and space. That's really the way you should look at this. Someone should challenge you. Tell me about time and space. Tell me how you think about existence. Can we do a class like that? I'm more than happy. I mean, I do it here. I throw it in from time to time. But it's clearly the most important aspect because it's all about, like even I did about language a lot. What language do you use? You can't be stuck in words because words mean nothing. Words is just a symbol for something. If you don't, can't explain the idea without the word, means you don't get it. A word is a crutch. You know, I say table. Okay, great. We know what, everyone knows what a table is. Fine. But if you really want to understand, you want to say what is really a table, you can't just say table. 
You have to say, what is a table made of? What, 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 you know, what is its role? There's a lot of elements to it. The same thing with all the, you can't just say atzillus. What, what do you mean atzillus? What does atzillus mean? Another, another world. It, it's a level. It means something. It means something in our lives right now. Now, but this requires, I, I mean, absolutely everybody can be trained in this regard. There's no question in my mind. Yeah, or, or understand its relevance or per, per person. Like, look, here we're talking about Dibur. You know, let's go back to the Maimah here. If I may, I want to finish it. Um, so Dibur, I think everybody can understand. That's why I gave the example of ourselves. A process of ideas begins from within, and then it's expressed in outer terms. That's the Chaymer and the Surah. So he said the Chaymer is the Kalim. It's again Eris and Kalim. First, this is going on here. Eris and Kalim. And the Surah is the message or the idea. Okay. Actually, you know what he answers here? Actually, you asked the question about how it becomes Gashmis. That's exactly how it becomes. The fact that Elokus has the Kayach to create Eris and the Kayach to create Kalim, that's the beginning of the creation of Gashmis. It's not Gashmis yet. But the fact that he created two so-called levels, one that carries the message, the energy, and one that carries its identity, with enough concealment. And Levushim, you'll have the stage, but then you'll need that final Kayach Atzimus to, to turn it into a, a new creation, a, a substance. But the idea is happening through the concealments that are, you know, because it is completely manifest. It'd be, it would be like a fire that's so powerful there would be no room for containers. Like we said, or we learned earlier, that the symptom was only because the containers to emerge, not for the Eidus. Okay. So here we go. So he says, okay. You do the Tzedakim, but Surah says, it's because it says, that Pell habitl bin Evraim, which cost of the Tzedakim, that was what I mean. And Mavua b'makamacha, and he explained elsewhere, Shazel ma'asha chachma toiz l'chachem. Yesa ma'asha d'shlitim. This Lushan was brought all the way in the beginning, if I recall correctly. Yeah. At the end of the Mimer 2. Or even earlier. Here we are. Chapter, um, yeah, Vov. Wow. Page Yud. Long time ago. She so says like this. So it says elsewhere. That the Lashon is like this. Wisdom gives support, gives strength, toys, gives power um, to a wise person more than ten of his uh, ministers, ten of his shlitim, uh, ten of his yeah shlitim shabir, more than ten governors of the city, basically. That the Asar Shlitim, the ten governors of the city, are the ten Mamores, the ten utterances that created the worlds. When you say that, that for Chochem, Chochem wisdom is more than the ten governors, basically, this is anti bureaucracy, I guess. Right? Wisdom is more important than the ten. Than, than the ten uh, yeah. That's what Chochem does. So that's what this Posuk means. That Chochem is Lechochem Yeser. So Asar Shalitim is how manifests Elokus Malchus as it manifests in Biyah and creates. And Chochmah creates Bittl. That's what he said. And the, and the inner, the Surah of the words is Bittl. This is the Bittl that comes from the desire and the will of God that's higher than the Bittl that, that is rational. 
Like it says elsewhere, two types of energies. One that comes from Bina, one comes from Chachma. Bina is also a force of energy. But Bina is already a yesh. It's already I understand. It's connected to understanding. So there's a bitl there. But the bitl that we're talking here, the bitl of Nevroim, of the Dao Drapsi, is coming from a level that's beyond existence. This is what it said before. The Dalad Rapsi of Shema. We said the Dalad Rapsi is Dibur, is the Kayecha Dibur. Or the Galos Adibur. Gadlos Adibur, rather. So if you remember, he said it's a Dalad Ruchis, Dalad Sitin, but they're Betelim B'Metzias. That's Yehudilah. So Yehudilah means that they're completely bottled because they're not Tefus Mokim. He said Tefus Mokim, giving something uh, standing, is only when it's an elevant energy that's related to it. But the energy that's not manifest and it doesn't, is, is detached. So therefore, in that level, it's all bottle. So we, from this we find that the Dalad Rapsi, the large Dalad in Echad, is Gilead, it's a revelation of energy and light, and that there should be the Bitl of Elemis, the, the sublimation of the worlds. Now Dalit is also from the word, when we say Dalit, it's like the word Delis, a door. Shamalchus hadelas va Pesach, because Malchus is the door and Pesach. Delis and Pesach are the same thing, really. The door and the opening, but I think Dalit is maybe, is Delis and a Pesach, one is Aramaic? No, they're both Hebrew. And Pesach is the opening, okay. So this is the door and the opening, Shabbat va that in it, and through it, is the transmission and the revelation of from Atzilus to Biyal, through the opening of the door. And also the elevation from Biyal to Atzilus. Like it's explained elsewhere that all the gates in Beis Amigdash had, had, had doors. Except the opening of the Ulam, of the, the hall, the large, the Ulam. Shaloi Hoyed Losses, which said had no doors. Means it had not, there were no closures, there were no curtains, basically. The Sha'arim in the base of Middash, they are the, the channels, they are the gates of transmission. What means a Sha'ar? A Sha'ar means something travels through a Sha'ar. It's a gate. It's a gateway. A portal is the word. And what's the role of a door? That's to close the gate. That the flow should not be. Going through and through. So it's like you close the portal or you open the portal. Sometimes the gates have to be closed according to according to our actions below. But the Pesach of the Ulam, the opening of the Ulam of the hall in the Beis HaMidrash, had no doors. It was always open. Because it hints to, it alludes to the transmission that is always flowing consistently, without any stop, without any blockage, without any impediment. That's the transmission that comes from the core infinite light that's higher than the cosmic order that we spoke about earlier. The one that compares the parsa, the one that compares the curtains. For Indian who the Indian of this is what time do we have? Should we stop here? What time did we begin? Nine o'clock. 
I think we should stop here because it's going to become a new topic now. I mean, it's not a new topic, but we'll stop here. So let's 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 finish here. So we did page two seventeen, uh, sixteen. I'm sorry, two sixteen. Begin the first half of chapter uh, two. I'm sorry, <laughs> one twelve. Kufiud base page Reish Tezayin two sixteen. Okay.